Hey guys, welcome back to Merlin's Castle. I'm your host, Destiny, and today I have my a co-host, my friend, Danila. Yep, hi guys. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about um, what it's a conversation that me and Danila have had for a while now. Um, basically... It's a way that we have kind of categorized the four different houses um, as we believe that um, there is a way to, I guess you could say, but what's the words that you would use because I can't, I can't think. I suppose give them their own unique spaces. Right within each house um so we're gonna start with Slytherin and then as we go on you'll see what we're talking about um okay so we decided that Slytherins are categorized as being in a stadium and we said this because there isn't just one way to be a Slytherin well there well no there isn't like because there you know there's certain things that all Slytherins have in common, but at the same time, you know, there's certain things that we all have that set us apart. So, for example, you could be cold and distant on the inside, but around your closest friends, you're relaxed, um, open, outgoing, trusting. Yeah, easy. Yeah, easy to talk to and everything, which is really interesting. Exactly. And then you've got the Slytherins who are completely, they seem really heartless to the rest of the world because they cover up their true nature by maybe being, you know, disdainful to others, maybe not being the night, maybe not coming across that coming across is not the nicest person to be around. But again, when they're around their friends, they're perfectly, um, they're perfectly polite, they're loyal, they're at ease. And then you've got- Yep. Exactly. And then you've got the other Slytherins who are really well put together. They can maneuver themselves by being nice to everyone and occasionally they'll have their moments when you know so they're nice to everyone but as soon as somebody let's say says something to offend them let's say somebody um insults like someone close to them then they become this really cold and aloof person which is the category that I fall into um but basically what we're trying to illustrate illustrate by this is as I said before that there's many different ways to categorize the Slytherin none of us are the same and it's just too simple to say that you know all Slytherins are evil or all Slytherins are disloyal or something like that we're all vastly different anything you want to add to that Danila? um yeah i mean um 
that all Slytherins are evil. That's just a stereotype. And all the houses, I think, have their stereotypes. But um, I'd say that one is the darkest of them all. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, just don't believe the stereotypes. That's <laughs> all I have to add. Um, with that. Yeah, no, I agree because, you know, if you take it into, if you take it into terms of, like, about, you know, people that you come into contact with, if you meet someone and they come across as being, <clears throat> they come across as being, you know, really, really happy, loud, flamboyant, you could see them as being that way all the time, but... As soon as you're alone with them or you get to know them better, you could realize that, you know, they're not always like that. And that was just a facade that they like to show the world because they want to seem put together and, you know, like they don't have any problems. Yeah, emotions are never the same for a long period of time. Um, That's just a, they're kind of like phases that people go through. We all go through them every single day. Um and experience multiple phases within a day so yeah yeah that's a good way of describing it okay so now we're going to move on to ravenclaw do you want to um introduce this one as it is your house yeah sure um so for ravenclaw we've picked um a city and of course um this is just an example so um, of course we can have a bigger space if we need, but, um, I thought this would be a perfect example because no, um, two Ravenclaws are exactly the same. We're all individualistic, but we can fit within the same space and coexist together in, um, harmony, which I think is great. Um, yeah, there'll be a few scats here and there. Like there were, like there, like there wasn't the books and stuff. But um, as a as a house, I think Ravenclaw are doing really well with um, the whole coexisting thing. So um, that's why I picked the city for this because you have the Ravenclaws, you've got the stereotypical ones, the ones that love to read and study and pass exams. I mean, I'm a bit of that. I do like to pass, but that's because there's a journey um, and a purpose for passing. I'm not doing it just for the fun of it. Um, and I don't think, yeah, most of us want to get somewhere, so we try our best to pass our university exams um, the best we can. But yeah, so that's the stereotypical type that everyone's familiar with and then you've got people like Luna Lovegood who are quirky weird but still intelligent um and intelligence comes in many different forms it's not just the use of big words and you know um flash degrees uh there's emotional intelligence there's wisdom and maturity uh, maturity from uh, life experiences so that's probably why you'll find Ravenclaws that are counsellors 
because they're used to advising other people or giving people advice. And Ravenclaws who are wise beyond their youth. So, yeah, they're, they're very flexible, adaptable, and can pretty much fit um, pretty much anywhere. But a city is great because if you want to go, like, if the Ravenclaws wanted to go out of that, then great, because they're able to. Um, it's sort of like thinking outside the box. They don't have to stay there. It's just a um, an example or um, just a, a setting. Yeah, no, that's a really that's a really great way of describing it. Um, <clears throat> like you said, you know, the types of Raymond claws can range from someone like Luna, who, as you said, you know, comes off as eccentric. Um, weird, um, but also very intelligent, um, outgoing, and doesn't seem to have a cure in the world, but, you know, underneath that, there may be parts of her that we don't get to see, and stuff that people don't even realize about her, and then you've got someone like Cho Chang, who on the surface comes across as maybe shallow, um, not the nicest at times, and things like that. But again, there's things underneath that we don't get to see. You know? Yep, she's emotionally intelligent because, as we see, um, she can't forget about Cedric. Like, someone in today's world, when, when they break up, um, or when a relationship ends, um, all they do is, okay, I'm just going to move on to the next one. But with Cho, it was like, she tried, but she could not forget Cedric and would spend hours crying because all the all the pain that she felt. So, yeah, she would be described as emotionally intelligent. Um, and then this, I suppose moaning myrtle is the same. Yeah, in a way, I agree, because, you know, again, she's, um, she's upset over, you know, a past experience which haunted her, for lack of a better term, and has left her traumatized, I guess, because, you know, one minute she was crying in the bathroom over a bullet, and next minute she's dead, which is, you know, very, which would be very unsettling for anybody. And with Cho, again, her circumstances are different because it's not just the typical breakup. Her boyfriend was taken from her unexpectedly in the worst way possible and was killed. It was her, it was Myrtle herself that tragically passed. Exactly. And then with Cho, like I said, you know, her boyfriend was killed. Also, she didn't even get, you know, to say goodbye or anything. She didn't have any inkling that it was going to happen beforehand. And so, again, a mark has been left on both characters, but it's displayed in slightly different ways. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so, now, Hufflepuff, I can't quite remember why we saw the Long Park, but I guess it would be because Hufflepuffs are a little more easier 
to categorize in Slytherin and Ravenclaws, but at the same time, there are still quite a bit of distinction from Hufflepuff to Hufflepuff. Um, because there's people like, um, what's her name? Professor, Professor, um, Sprout? There we go. (laughs) Yeah, Professor Sprout, who, you know, who are caring, fair, but also firm, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um. Yeah, there are different types of badger personalities, but they're not, um, there are not as many as there are in Ravenclaw and Slytherin, um, because obviously you've got Phileas Flitwick, the humble, humble but intelligent teacher, but with, with the Badgers, um, there is a common, there are commonalities or similarities between, um, the, the personalities or between um, each badger because they are uh, all about loyalty, trust, uh, fair play, and all, all of that. Yeah, so I guess that's yeah. why we settled on the on the park. Yeah, exactly, because, you know, they all have their... They all have, you know, certain characteristics that set them apart. But at the end of the day, um, all of them value, you know, fair play, trustworthiness, um, hard work, and things like that. So it's easy to group them together, but at the same time, like I said, they do have things that set them apart. And that's why we chose the Yeah, so they've got individual personalities but they're united they're all united under the same core values which that's the best way i can describe um the bad the symbolism uh symbolism of of the park and and the badgers um yeah that's yeah yeah no that's a really good way of putting it like i said before and also i'd say um also, you know, the fact that it's a park that we chose, it means that, um, like you said, they're united into the same set of values, but also within the park, you know, there's space to move around, so if something changes in their personality, that would be like a shift, and that would be them kind of moving around in the park. Yeah, um, which I think really fits the Badgers quite well. Definitely, because I'd say, you know, an example of what I just said would be, for example, Ernie McMillan, one minute, you know, he's really friendly to Harry, talking about Lockhart and all of that at the beginning of Chamber of Secrets, and then as soon as Justin gets petrified, he becomes really hostile towards Harry, and starts making his ear slivering, just because of the incident in the dueling, um, in the dueling, um, club, and then again, reverts back to being polite when it turns out that Harry wasn't the Arab Slytherin. Yeah, so they can have multiple sides to their personalities. Exactly. Um, okay, so now to move on to Gryffindor. With Gryffindor, we said two sides of the same fence because we believe that Slytherins are a lot, sorry, not Slytherins, Gryffindors are a lot easier to categorize and they're 
personalities are very similar, but at the same time, again, there is still that one thing that can set them apart. So, this was actually, like, this symbolism was actually something that I came up with, um, because the way I see it is that you've got some Gryffindors who are, you know, who come across as arrogant, um, bigoted, um, loud and believing that, you know, because they're from, because they're in Gryffindor and their symbols align, which is the king of the jungle, that, you know, they're above everybody and that there's no better house in Gryffindor and things like that. And then you got people on the other side, like the twins, who are proud to be in Gryffindor, but don't flaunt that in everybody else's faces and, you know, are easygoing and are just there for the ride and try to make the best out of such every situation. And I would put uh, Hermione Granger on the former side because even though she has her good attributes, she does tend to, you know, flaunt certain things around like her intelligence. And some people could say that she comes across as being arrogant, but even if you don't say arrogant, you know, she doesn't like to be bested even by her friends example of that is you know half blood prince when harry's using uh professor snape's book and hermione hates the fact that he's doing better than her granted it's for a book but at the same time you know he was following instructions they just had to be they just happened to be slightly um tailored instru- instructions which meant that his potions were perfect but instead of being happy for him you know she got really annoyed frankly um and then you've also got on the other side like I said with the twins you've got Neville who again shows Gryffindor attributes but could also fit into Hufflepuff pretty well um he stands up to his friends when it comes down to it you know he shows his bravery again in Deathly Hallows when standing up to Voldemort he has his moments you know he's fiercely loyal like I said he can be a Hufflepuff but he also has those moments where it shows why he's in Gryffindor his bravery his courage and other things that's just living proof of how people can fit into um two or more houses pretty much um and I think Hermione Granger was rightfully placed in Gryffindor and um does belong on the the um, side opposite from the twins because she does display um, a bit of self-absorption. She is quite self-centered at times um, because she's um, thinks of herself as a lot smarter than um, most of her peers. So again, that's she does have courage, so again, she displays Gryffindor traits, um, but unlike a Ravenclaw, she's not flexible, not really adaptable, and um, isn't. she's afraid to be wrong, which uh, Ravenclaws have learnt that, yes, it is a fear, but... Um, but it's okay to be wrong sometimes. Exactly. Um, also, what I was just thinking of while you were talking 
about Hermione Granger is another thing that she has is, you know, a lack of self-awareness. And that's more due to her upbringing because, you know, she never had, she never really had a friend before she came to Hogwarts because of how she displayed her intelligence, which um, distanced herself, distanced her from all her other peers in primary school. And then you have the fact that as her parents were very busy with work, my understanding is that they never really explained to her how other children would take it if she, you know, flaunted her intelligence around like that. Otherwise, I believe that she would have come to, you know, she would have come to Hogwarts still being the way she was, but at the same time, she would know that she's got to temper her reactions when it comes to, like, wanting to answer questions and being the only one to answer and, you know, knowing that she's got to let other people have their input sometimes and that it's okay to not get things right. Exactly. Um, Sometimes uh, all you need to do is give other people a chance and I don't think she did that very very well um and i think she would try and get points for gryffindor through through class which is exactly the same as how ravenclaw would do it but um gryffindors are often in it for the glory whereas other houses um are just doing their best and trying to live life and be there for the right just like just like the twins. That's what I love about the twins. Yeah, and all the other Gryffindors that are on that other side of the fence. Um, but I also think that Gryffindors can be really um, disloyal. Because in the books, um, there'd be times where um, Harry would win a game for Gryffindor and the whole house would celebrate him. And then every time he mucks up there will be certain people and sometimes even the whole house would um, avoid him or be really snobbish to him and it's it's not a great trait to have yeah no definitely exactly that is definitely very true um, going back to Slytherin there's something that I completely forgot to mention before um, I said I came up with a stadium because the way I see it is that the different is that like Slytherins are kind of on the bleachers and each line is a group of Slytherins who share them who share those similar attributes so like I said before the Slytherins who come across as cold and aloof and inside are really you know laid back in that they would be on one line they would be on one row in the bleachers and then you'd have the Slytherins who come across as being um disdainful of others and things like that on the next row and so on and so forth um but also as I said before there's a wide range you've got you've got like someone like Voldemort on one end who believes power is everything who believes that the best way to oppose people is making them you know, fear you, um, that if there's, if you've got an opponent, if you've got an opponent, the best way to get rid of them is just to squash them under your foot 
and try to like you know kill them to get them out of the way and then you've got yeah. someone like uh let's say merlin um who was nothing but heroic or you've got someone like professor snape again he fits into he fits into the road that would be coming across as disdainful and hostile towards others but on the inside he's actually very loyal you know he's driven he's ambitious he's determined because nobody besides from Dumbledore not wanting to let anybody know but he plays the part of you know this cold death eater who likes absolutely nobody and never lets anyone in really really well and towards until the end when Harry finds out the truth that you know he's playing as a double agent yeah I think it's not that all Slytherins are evil definitely there are some but I think overall um, the house of the snake is really misunderstood by a lot of people definitely because when you know it's it's shown from the very beginning of the book that when people think of Slytherin all they think of is evil Voldemort comes to mind straight away because everybody knows that Voldemort was in Slytherin and so you know everybody has to be like Voldemort which is really unfair to say that when you know a whole group of people are the exact same just because of one individual like it, exactly. it's very unfair to say that and that's why you gotta look beyond that and really really take a look at each individual person and see how they you know differ from the next and the next otherwise exactly. you'll never see beyond and the surface yeah and for those people who think that Ravenclaw is just another like version of Slytherin just because we've had like Quirrell and Lockhart and maybe some other dark wizards um that is definitely not true yes we pretty much we do probably fall under the all right uh sorry guys we had to take a break for a bit um so Demila, you got cut off when you were if you can start what you were saying again then that would help so i can't cool um so for those of you who um think that Ravenclaw is another version or the second like a second version of Slytherin that's pretty much not true because although there might be some of us who display traits like that um we are very varied and very different um so I guess we could fall under the misunderstood category as well because there's it's like two things that come to mind they either think um, that we're the second Slytherin because we've had um, some dark wizards like Lockhart and um, Quirrell, but um, but those are only two out of so many Ravenclaws who have done great in the world. And yeah, we may be quirky and weird, but we're not. Um, the second thing is we're not known as just bookworms, geeks, nerds, all that. There are definitely some of us, but um, we are more than just intelligence. So I think people really need to dig deep and try and find um, 
the courage to look look through it or look at our house through the lens of a raven claw and maybe that will take quite a bit of time but it's definitely worth it yeah no definitely and you know going back to how like you said you know Slytherin and Ravenclaw are a lot more than they may seem on the outside. I chose two sides of the same fence for Gryffindor because it's a lot easier to see, you know, after a little while of talking to a Gryffindor, it's a lot easier to say where you think they would fit because not to say that they don't have, you know, a lot to their personality, but it's just so much easier to say, oh, okay, so this person comes across as arrogant because this is this. Um, They come across as being quite, you know, rude and thinking that they're above everybody else because this is this. But then they can also be somewhat, you know, humbled at times. So they belong on the former side. And then you've got other people, like I said, the twins, after just a short conversation with the twins, you can tell that they belong on the latter side because, you know, like I said, easygoing, laid back, don't take things too seriously, but they know when to be serious. Um, they're just coasting through life and trying to make the best of things. And same with Neville. He never tries to antagonize people. He just wants to be there along for the ride. Um will stand up to you if he really needs to and he feels that it's necessary but at the same time he just wants to be left alone and stay in the shadows and doesn't want to draw attention to himself exactly and i think gryffindors quite um have quite a lot to say most of them but then you have this introverted character neville who just wants to listen and you find that you um you'll find a lot of that in um, both Slytherin and Ravenclaw. And definitely, because you know, again, another example of the whole just wants to listen and would rather not be doing all the talking and be center stage. Is even though she didn't develop his character beyond one book, I'd say Blaise Sabini is a perfect example of that because he was a sideline character he you know other than that one remark about Ginny Weasley he didn't really say much else on the opinion of like you know um blood purity and things like that he was more than willing to listen to Draco go on and on or you know more than willing to just let people believe what they want but he knew his own mind. He knew where he stood with things. Yeah, exactly. Um, I wonder, there should be, like, an, an introverted example of, of a Ravenclaw, I think. Um, well, we don't really get to hear what Penelope, uh, Penelope Clearwater would have said about any of it. She's, she's also another minor character. Because although we have other people talking about her, we never hear anything from her perspective, which I think is how some of us um, choose to to be, um, to keep our perspectives um, away from the limelight. 
yeah, no anger. Um, would you say you've got anything else to add to any of the degrees of separation? Because I can't really think of anything. Yeah, me neither. I think that's we've covered. We've covered quite a lot. We have, yeah. Okay, guys, this is the end. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's a different take on something that I didn't think I'd be covering, but, you know, I felt like it was important because it was something that only me and the mother talked about, and it's something that I wanted to share with you guys because it's a whole new concept of categorizing people in the different houses because, you know, usually people will just sort someone into a house and be done with it, but they never think to truly dissect each house into different characteristics and why things are the way they are so that's why i thought this episode was so important anyway i really hope you enjoyed it um i'll see you guys next sunday for episode three bye